Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. One Rental at a Time family. I've got my buddies over at Convoy Mortgage. I'm Matt the Mortgage Guy. We're filling in for our buddy Mike Zuber with some updates. Um, I want to talk to you guys because you guys are really entrenched uh, with the investor community. It's something that like, as a real estate investor myself, um, I, I really enjoy. Um, but uh, I, I'd love for you guys to entertain me um, and, and talk to me about all the cool stuff you guys are doing on the non-QM side, because you guys are signed up with, you know, all, all the lenders that do it. You guys got some of your own, you know, channels where you can get some stuff done that I know uh, other other lenders across the country can't do. So, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the recent stuff you've done um, on the non-QM side uh, to help out your investor clients. Yeah, I mean, we, we've... Um spoken a lot on the channel and and you've done i'm sure a handful as well you know the dscr loans and i don't want to bore this channel again with another dscr topic and where rates are at with our private fund and how to calculate all that but recently what john and i have seen more of is a lot of applications for like fix and flip you know type loans where they're you know 12 18 24 month loans where Essentially, the client's going to buy a property that may be needing a little bit of rehab, and they're going to put a certain amount in so that they can normally either refi out and put it as a long-term hold with higher rents, or they're just going to flip it, which in this market, I am telling clients to be very, very cautious of because flipping in this market compared to flipping a year ago, you may be caught, if you will, you know, holding the bag a little bit longer than you anticipate and those carrying costs on, you know, 10, 11%, if you will, like fix and flip type products can get expensive. And um, I don't know, are you doing, do you get a lot of applications for, you know, fix and flip construction type stuff or do you? No, do I mean, truth be told, um, you know, in, in my network, I've got a lot of great, you know, kind of hard money lenders that do most of that stuff. And they come to me when they want permanent financing. Sometimes it, it even goes from, you know, hard money to a non-QM or if they qualify for whatever reason. I'm curious to, to, to know from you guys, when somebody gets like a fix and flip product um, from you guys, um, is it sometimes turning into like a burr or a long-term hold versus like just using that fix and flip product and then selling it and, and, and paying off the debt that way? Yeah, right now, a lot of our clients are doing, I mean, a lot of them go from the fix and flip to DSCR loans or, you know, bank statement loans typically because a lot of the people that obviously are using fix and flip to start with don't have the income typically on paper, right? They have the money, but not the income. Um, and right now, I'm sure you've seen it in your market and across the country, but a lot of people that had flips up, they're not flipping, right? So the flips are not flipping. And so in order to, to save them a little bit, we've been doing um, either if it's a dire need situation, um, we've seen them do short term to short term, which we don't recommend, but sometimes it's needed. Right. Um, and then or short term to long term and then hold it for maybe lower the prepaid to like two years or, or a year 
so that they can hold it for a little longer and not have to worry just in case it goes, you know, past that one year point. That way they have at least a 30 year loan and they can do whatever they want with it after. But it buys them more time with a little more stability. So they are we are seeing a lot of fix and flip go into more permanent financing on the non QM side. Um, and sometimes, you know, obviously a, a big reason why people go fix and flip or bridge is because conventional and FHA and VA, when they appraise the property, right? A lot of these properties won't pass the appraisal, right? right? Period. The underwriter is going to see something on the roof or something on the ceiling, be like, that's a wet spot. You need a roof inspection. And if the escrow is like a 30 day escrow, like how are you going to have the time to do a roof inspection, get it repaired, you know, replace the thing, paint it over and then get the appraiser back out there to do the final inspection. So in those cases, which we've seen a lot of, um, that's kind of where fix and flip and bridge kind of comes into play where there's inspections to be had and it doesn't pass, but they want the property. They know it's a good deal and they have an exit strategy after whether again, like Dustin said, either selling the property or refinancing it with, you know, conventional non-QM wherever, then, um, you know, that allows them to kind of be able to do that, get the asset and then worry about a little bit later. So we're kind of seeing a mixture of everything together. Um, sometimes starting with long-term, having to go short-term, 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 or short-term, long-term, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I got a couple of thoughts on that too, because I had, I had a bunch of investors um, in my office and we were just collaborating and, and masterminding and they were telling me about their recent experiences. And I think that it's probably something worth mentioning to everybody who's listening. There's a lot of ins like aspiring real estate investors. I don't want to like detract anybody or whatnot, but, you know, make sure you know what you're doing or you partner with somebody who knows what they're doing. I think it's a season where like, if I, I know guys that are flipping every single month and doing great, making money on every single deal, but the ones that, you know, cut corners or don't necessarily know what they're doing, or they, you know, try to, you know, cut margins thinner on, on deals that aren't great deals up front, you know, you could get burned. Um, and to your point about the different types of financing, um, I had some that were, you know, buddies of mine, they were going to be flips. And then it's like, okay, I turned it into a, a short-term rental and I'm going to put, you know, a 91 day, uh, you know, traveling nurse in there. And then, you know, three months from now, uh, more demand might be in the market. Spring buying season might be upon us and, and be able to sell it for what I want to sell it for. Knowing mid-December, first week of January, it just wasn't going to attract a buyer that was going to make the numbers work for that specific deal. So, um, yeah, in interesting, interesting stuff. What what else, um, you know, I, I know the answer, but I just want to ask it so that other people that might have it... Um, you know, you, you have an investment property, you're looking to expand your portfolio. So you're listening to things like one rental at a time and talking to, you know, Convoy and, and, and you mortgage, um, non-QM, uh, as a cash out refinance to access some of the capital to go out and do other, other things. Are you guys doing some of those as well? Yeah. I mean, um, a, a lot of the cash out refis that we're doing are coming from, you know, a, a client that is currently in a hard money or fix and flip, right? They bought it for 200. They put, you know, all cash down and they uh, put another 60K into rehab and they think it's worth 450 now. And then they're going to get the cash out refi and get, you know, let's say 300 or 320 of it back, right? Because um, all of our cash out refis, none of them we're doing for people that have a three or a four or a 5% 
and are in a dire situation to get cash to buy another property. At least from what I've seen, you know, all of the kind of necessity inquiries for cash are coming from, hey, I need a second, I need a HELOC, I need some sort of alternative so I don't touch my first. But the ones that don't care are obviously the ones that are in hard money at 9, 10, 11%. Or, right. Yeah, and they're trying to get all their capital back so they yeah. can recycle it and, and burr. Um, what is like on a single family um, cash out refinance DSCR? This stuff changes so much that I'm asking you guys because it probably changed since I asked, you know, the some of my non-QM lenders about it. Is it 70 for cash out refinance on DSCR? We actually have it. We have it up to 80. Yeah. Rates worse. Yeah. Five rates a little better. 70 is the best line drawn in the sand really on cash is right at 70. But, you know, if you really need it, 80 on single family, two to okay. four, because I know I'm going to get asked this. Somebody's going to email John or myself, 75 is the cap, but single family can go up to 80. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting too, because um, you guys that are doing a bunch of it and finger on the pulse, I, I think between like home express, angel Oak, Remen, and these different eighties I'm talking to, like, I'm seeing a change with one of them every day. Like I, I, I genuinely can't keep up where I send in a scenario and we're talking through a, a DSCR purchase on a duplex the very next day. Oh, by the way, it's got to be this LTV because this changed. And then the day after that, things got better on, on another part of it where, you know, the rate came down by a quarter or something. So um, changing quickly, which is another reason to make sure if you're looking at these products, talk to get the guys at Convoy, you know, somebody who's who's deep into that stuff versus, you know, your average loan officer across the U.S., my guess, um, if they're not working with a lot of investors and they're out doing a lot of these things, they're, they're, they're not, uh, you know, super in the weeds. So any parting thoughts, guys, or, or should we just leave people with I, how to get a hold of you? I have one because I, I want to kind of push us as brokers, right? Because I think for a long time, some people still have a negative connotation about brokers, even for non-QM conventional, wherever. Um, <clears throat> if you guys saw, if, I mean, everyone saw the news, the banks are really tightening up everything, right? So now more than ever, right? People like Matt, people like us that are actually like, I don't even want to call ourselves brokers. I think the better word is advocates, right? For our clients, we're more advocates for the clients because we are shopping for them. We're showing them different options, being able to provide solutions versus like, hey, you have to fit in this box, um, I think is important because we get a lot of like people on, especially the fix and flip bridge side, because, you know, we were talking about hard money people before. There's a bunch of hard money people and there's someone always willing to lend you money, but it doesn't mean that it is good money that they are lending you. Right. So even if you have to pay like an extra point, point and a half, two points even to a broker to be like, hey, am I? Am I actually, are you, am I getting a good deal? Are you guys going to help negotiate a good deal for me? I, I think that's worth it, right? Because I'd rather pay that. That's a cost I'm willing to pay up front, right? Because if I pay that up front, then that'll save me a year, two years, maybe even like 10 years of heartache because you got into a bad loan, right? And brokers like us and you um, really allow clients to be able to kind of see the options and for us to really advocate, like, you know, that's the word I want to use, advocate for the best product for the client that fits their situation versus having to give them one client, one product, this is it, whether it's good or bad, you're taking it, right? So I think, again, pushing for the broker channel, pushing for you and us, this is, I think it's, you know, the more than ever, this market is more important for us, for anyone to reach out to 
you know, people like Convoy, people like Matt, the mortgage guy, where we can actually see these different options and guide you in the right scenario versus just having you go one track minded. I think that's the most dangerous thing you can be in this environment. Like you said, you have to be flexible. Yeah. And I mean, I've said it before too, like, you know, bless Bank of America and Wells Fargo and the big banks. They were never good at mortgage. So the fact that a lot of them are stepping away from mortgage is a good thing for the consumer. They weren't good at it, you know? And then when you look at, you know, brokers versus some of the traditional, you know, retail lenders, the data is clear. It's about $9,000 less expensive for the average consumer when you work with a broker um, versus a retail lender. They've got margins in place because they've got Super Bowl commercials or they've got, you know, big fancy offices that have $70,000 a month lease, whatever the case may be, like the data doesn't lie. The, the, you know, it's better, faster and cheaper. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to just continue to beat that drum because it's the truth and, you know, not just because I happen to be in the broker channel. So to connect with me, go to greatmortgagebroker.com to connect with the guys at Convoy. How do you guys do that again? Go to convoyhomeloans.com and let us know you came for more at. Sweet. Yeah. Have a good Sounds day, OREC community. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks,